Praise God. Woo! Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I'm glad y'all are here tonight. I'm glad everybody's out there watching. All around the world, thank you. Praise God. Keep it up. Have church in your house. Get radical. You don't even do anything when you're at home. You can just jump up and dance and run around, look goofy, whatever you want to do. Ain't nobody watching you, so praise God, except Jesus. So um, I want to I wanna share something with you tonight, and, and so I want you to get your Bibles out. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. I want you to get your Bibles out. Now I want to tell you something. I, I, I pray y'all hear me the next couple of weeks, next couple of Sundays at least. I'm going to be uh, preaching kind of radical. I haven't ever really preached radical, and so I, I want to get into that. But you know, I'm just going to share some things with you. You may hear them again Sunday. I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to go off. Um, I don't really have any notes, but a few things I jotted down on a piece of paper just a minute ago. When I was at the house, but I, I, you know, listen, folks, all this election stuff's going on. And, you know, I don't know if we'll ever know who's the president, but, uh, you know, the deal is, the deal is, is that I, I, I sense it. I feel it. I feel this oppression. I feel this. I feel the enemy wants us to lay down. I feel the enemy wants us to, uh, you know, he wants to do a little victory dance around us. You know, there's, 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 there's demonic things taking place. Hello? There are demonic things taking place in the heavenly realms, uh, and that's not the heavenly realms where God is. It's just in the, 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 the realms of the spirit that the enemy is really thinking he's got victory. But, you know, how many times has you thought that? How many times did they dance around? Do you think and all the devils in hell were jumping up and down and having a you know, pitchfork party and, and while Jesus was going to the cross? And all of a sudden he's like, what? Who's, he got up? I mean, you know, what, what? What happened to that rock? Why did it fall off the tomb? And it's... Plots were spoiled, right? So I wrote down a few statements here, which is kind of going to be my, my uh, next four-year goal. All right? And so I, I wrote it down because I keep hearing this saying, what are we going to do? Hello? Have you all heard that statement today? What are we going to do? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. All right? And I, I pray that you all get excited, get stirred up, become radical, and, and want to follow me. But I'm going to tell you, this is what I'm going to do over the next four years. This is my four-year State of the Union address tonight. Okay, number one, I'm going to preach the gospel more than I have ever preached before. Okay, so the way I look at it right now, and, and just give me my numbers, okay? There's, there's you know, 70, 70 million people voted for uh, Joe Biden, and there's roughly 70 million people voted for Trump, I mean, it's, it's a split, basically, of what voted. But so that tells me, that just tells me that there's at least 70 million people out there think like I do. That's pretty good. I mean, let's go, we're going to look at the glasses half empty, half full. That's 70 million people think like I do. Praise the Lord. There's cowboys all over the place love Jesus. There's people stirred up right now who are wanting to stand for righteousness, and they, they may not even understand the Holy Ghost or, or Jesus, but they're, they're, they're fired up, man. They're tired of lying, cheating and stealing and whatever else going on, right? And they want to stand up. So, hey, we got 70 million on our side. Praise God. So then you want to know your field? There's 300 million people in the, in the United States. And so 
you know, total population, más o menos, you know, somewhere in there. So if, you know, if 70 and 70 is 140, so let's just say at 150, so there's 150, and that's a certain amount of them are going to be children and more than the legal age to vote and whatever, la, 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 la. So, so we know where 70 million stand, and we know where the other 70 million stand. So then there's another 150 out there that are something, right? So my point is, first thing is, if we're going to preach the gospel. There's a bunch of people out there. There's 70 million people out there need to be ministered to. 70 million people need a good word. 70 million people need to be told about what Jesus is doing. 70 million people need to be told how Jesus is Lord and, and, and encourage them as in, if they're Christians in their Christian faith. You follow me? They need to be encouraged that life isn't what it seems to be. And, you know, come on, go. And then there's 70 million need to be evangelized. All right. So that brings me to the second point. Second point is I am just stirred up, fired up about soul winning right now like I've never been before. All right. So I've decided and, 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 and the Lord spoke to me about this. And I, and I said, OK, I'll test the waters. And so I called Sister Annie and I said, hey, what's going on? What are y'all doing in Mexico with evangelism, you know, going out? And she said, well, all of our churches, we have missions programs going out, but, you know, we're kind of hindered uh, with, uh, <clears throat> you know, getting enough finances to everybody to go out. And I said, okay, just you don't have any problems anymore. And she says, what do you mean? I said, whatever you need, I want to I make sure we get it. I don't know if, if I don't have it in my hand, I'll pray it in and we'll get it. What do you need? And she said, well, Pastor Edgar in, in, in Mexico City, he just... His van broke down, and they were going to Veracruz, and he couldn't make it down to Veracruz. He said to Veracruz to do all the missions down there. I said, he just got another one. Just tell him to go out right now and find one. How much you want? And she's like, what? I said, man, I'm telling you, I'm serious. I am. I am stirred up. I said, you just tell me what you want. And so I, 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 she said, well, you know, so she, next day she comes back. So well, he says he can get a minivan for 8000 I said, it's done. I'll send you a check tomorrow. Let's go. What next? And she's like, what, what, what? And I said, man, what next? Come on. Don't, don't. I'm not setting any limits here. We're going to do whatever. I want to find, I want to, I want to evangelize more. The poor, poor Kendra over in, in, in about the, the Kenya deal. I'm just on her every day. What are we, where are we now? Do we have the paper in our hand? What's going on? I'm just going to, we're going to get into there. I want to see a thousand kids fed any gospel, preach to them and evangelize every day. We're going to find people. And we're going to get crazy. Hello? Because you see, folks, you don't have to go do it. You just got to find those that will go do it or are in that opportunity and get them with whatever they need. They need a Bible. Get them a Bible. They need some money for gas. Get them some money for gas. Whatever it takes, just get out there. Get going. No time to hesitate. Let's go. So that was number two. Number three is you are going to become the world's greatest evangelist. Do you know that when, when Abraham, when uh, the five kings got together and they attacked the land and, 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 and plundered everything around there. Do you know that he had, I, I, I think I'm right here because I just, this is th I just thought about this, 388 trained servants. 388, wasn't that the number? 388. And this army was a, thousands and thousands of people. He took 388 trained servants and went over there and just beat the dog out of all of them plundered them, got all of their plunder, brought it back, gave everybody their stuff back, and 10% to the priest. Hello? He defeated the whole army of 388. Man, we can do that. So we just need the world's craziest evangelist up here. But I want to tell you something right now. God's going to do something different. 
Because right now, if you're thinking about going to the old school and going up and knocking on the door and giving somebody a track and telling them about Jesus, it's not going to happen like that. God's doing a new thing, and we got to get into the new thing he's doing, and, and, I, and, and we're going to get there. Listen to me. We're going to get there, but y'all are going to become the world's greatest evangelist. You're going to have an anointing on you. See, I know this is true. Now, listen to me. This is not bragging. I'm just preaching the gospel, and I'm just stirred up right now, okay? But I remember standing right there at the altar when years ago, years and years and years ago, and Brother Ivan was here, and he said, what are you want, whatever you want from God tonight, come up and ask him. And I thought, that's a pretty bold statement. But right over there, I walked up to the front of the altar, and I asked the Lord to give me the ability to finance the gospel around the world. And that night, something happened to me, something changed, and I became a paymaster for the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, for the time we'd always been hurting for finances, all of a sudden, God began to bless us, and we began to have finances to go and to do, which we'd never had before. And I believe that's about to get turned on really big. I believe if you in your heart will pray and believe God for you to become a great evangelist, God will put it on you. Forget out of your mind. Forget the tambourine whacking uh, uh, temp meeting evangelism. Forget about that. Just get that out of your minds. Get, the, get the, all the preconceived ideas in your mind that you might think of what an evangelist should do or should, should say or whatever. Just forget about that and let the Holy Ghost develop in you. You will become a world's greatest evangelist. Everybody you go to, people just start to say, what is different about you? And then you just leads it right into the conversation. It's always easier when the Holy Ghost does it than when you go up and say, listen, do you know you're going to hell? No, that's not too well received, right? Because that's man trying to force evangelism. But I'm talking about evangelist of the Holy Ghost. Okay? That's the third thing. The fourth thing is, is we're going to learn to flow in the power of the Spirit of God. We're going to learn to cooperate with the Holy Ghost and flow in His power. Okay? Where you just see what needs to be, and the Holy Ghost shows you, and you do it. Listen to me. I believe the move of God that's coming upon the face of the earth right now is not going to be a move like we've ever seen before. I do not know. I can't just sit here and say it's going to look just like this, but I'm telling you, you're not going to have your long prayer lines. You're not going to have the one man praying and anointing everybody with oil and everything's happening. You're not going to see it like that. It's going to be different. It's going to be the body of Christ functioning like the body of Christ should always do according to Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? And if your heart's in it, you're going to flow in the power of God. All right? And then you know there may be a few Ananias and Sapphires that drop dead because their hearts aren't right. But that's okay. You know, we'll deal with it. And the fifth thing I'm going to do, the fifth thing I'm going to do, or we're going to do, is we're going to stand strong against the enemy. Now, what I mean at this is standing strong against the enemy is we're going to stand strong, and every time we see the enemy raise his head up, we're going to go over there and still swat it down. Okay? Now, I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Let me show you this. 2 Kings chapter 6. I have two stories to give you tonight. So what do you think about those five things? Y'all, y'all like game for those five things? I was just laughing because Brother Ivan was just up in the church in Stephenville, and uh, he was preaching at this church. It's a Baptist church. God bless the Baptist. And he was preaching in there, and so he's, he's had this major move, the Spirit of God. 150 people got saved out of 400, and it was just a major thing. And the pastor was just all, you know, wah, wah, wah. And so I, Brother Ivan, after so he goes out to this ranch. He's eating with everybody, and this lady comes walking up to him and says, man, it's really good to see you again, Brother Ivan. You know, I, I watch Pastor Robert all the time. I just love him. And we all listen on to watch the broadcast. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there we go, man. We're going to preach the gospel around the world, everybody, up there in Stephenville. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm at 2 Kings. I said 6, but it's not 6. It's 8. It says, now the king of Syria is making war against Israel. Huh. Let's just say the devil's making war against all the goodness of God. And he consulted with his servants, saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the, man of God's, and, and the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, beware that you do not pass this place. The Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place in which the man of God had told him and warned him. And he was watchful there and not once or twice, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria is greatly troubled by this. And he called his servants. He said to them, will you show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants says, none, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in the land, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Hello? Now, folks, listen to me. One of the things that's going to happen, I want to show you this in just a minute, I believe it's going to happen mainly upon America, but around this world, is people's eyes are going to be open, and they're going to begin to see that the gospel, this, this, this why you're here tonight is not just because you needed a brownie point to come to church. They're going to start to see that the gospel works, that Jesus works, Jesus is alive and well, and he works. Now, here's the true story. This is not a fairy tale. This is not just some, 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 some made-up story. This is a true story of, the, of Elisha being so tuned in to the Spirit of God and the things of God that he would tell the king where the enemy was going to attack. Hello? And people are going to start to see this happening like this. So he says here in verse 13, he says, well, go see where he's at and I'll send and, and, and that I may send and get him. So it was told him, saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and the chariots and great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And look at this. They sent horses and chariots and a great army. Everybody say a great army. You know a great army can't defeat the things of God. Listen to me. A great army, a great bunch of lunatics cannot defeat the things of God. Just because there's a bunch of them doesn't mean they're going to win. Okay. And the servant of the man of God arose early and he went out. And there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Ah! What shall we do? You know why? Because he was looking at it with his natural eyes. He walked out of there, and he's like, there's an army around him. He's just like, ah, what are we going to do? And I believe a lot of people tonight are panicked, and they're saying, ah, what are we going to do? So he answers it. Here you go, verse 16. This is one of those scriptures you need tattooed on you. He answered and said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those that's with them. Now, listen to me, folks. Christians have been living too long in the natural. We've been carnal Christians. And literally, if you look at the word carnal, it means meat. And we've been meatheads is what it means. Right? We've been thinking in the flesh. We've only been looking in the flesh. We just like. You know, like, like the people have gone to churches because they were exciting, because they had the better, you know, dog and pony show. They, they blew more smoke. But, folks, we've got to get into the, real, the realization and the reality that, that church is real, that Jesus is real, that this whole thing is real, that there's angels here tonight. There's angels across America tonight. There's angels sitting in heaven ready just to go. That Jesus is alive and well. The Holy Ghost is moving. People are getting saved, healed, and delivered this night as I speak. 
It's real. You don't even realize that you may be sitting right beside an angel. There may be angels filling the other seats. Or there may be one sitting on you. You may be sitting in the lap of an angel tonight and you didn't even know it. But all of a sudden, boom. Elijah said, what are you talking about? There's more with us than there is with him. Folks, we have got to get this understanding in us. There's more with us than there is with them. Do you hear me tonight? There's more with us than there is with him. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Oh, we need to be praying, Lord, let me see. I'm telling you, one of our deepest prayers that we need to have from our depths of our heart is, Lord, let me see. Lord, let me see you. Let me see you. My wife and I were talking a while ago, and, 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 and I walked in to do something, and you know I'd been watching some news, and I came in there, and all of a sudden, it just hit me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Right? And then what happens? And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, come on now. You with me? I mean, you just got to, folks, what are we looking at? Are we really, is Jesus a reality to us? Is he really real? Or is he just, oh, I hope he'll do something. I hope something will happen. Uh, come on, man. Are we really Christians? Are we really born again? Are we really saved? Are we really headed for heaven? Has God forsaken us and left us on this God-awful planet where we're just down here being cursed and tormented by the devil, and then maybe one day either you die or you get raptured out or something happens, and finally you get, make it to heaven? Is that the plan of the Lord? Does that sound like our Jesus? I mean, it's like Jesus going to heaven after the cross and saying, okay, if I did my job, just leave them bunch of jokers down there, Lord, and come get them sometime. Had enough of them. I mean, that doesn't sound like Jesus at all. No, it doesn't sound like a God saying in Romans chapter 8 to, to the apostle Paul saying, oh, there's nothing can separate you from the love of God. Then the Lord opened his eyes, the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. See, one of the things that I love about heaven and, and I've said this so many times, and I'm going to say it again. I love that Jesus is righteous. Like, I don't have a problem going before uh, the, the, the judgment seat of Christ, because when Jesus, if, he, if I've done wrong, I trust him that he's a faithful judge. And he says, Robert, you were wrong. I'd say, yeah, I, if you say so, Lord, I am. Not like, well, that's not the way it was. You don't have the full story. Right? And the other thing I love about heaven is, listen to me, heaven has an army. Whoo, man, one, one angel slew 185,000 Assyrians in one night. You telling me they can't just throw down a big pile of stomping if they want to. The angels were sitting there, man, just, just ready to go when they were getting ready to crucify Jesus because they didn't understand quite everything. And all they wanted Jesus to do is say, come on, boys, help me. And they would have slaughtered this world. And I'm glad to know that my God has chariots of fire and angels, and they're ready to go to war at a moment's notice. And so he says he sees them. And he says, so when this, uh, there's, there's a then the Lord opened his eyes, a young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And when the Syrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, strike these people. I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So here's this army, and they all go blind. 
But listen to me, they didn't go totally blind. Because let me show you this. Now, Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this a city. Follow me and I'll bring you to the man in whom you see. But he led them to Samaria. So they had to have been seeing, you, you with me? They, could, they wouldn't strike blindness like they couldn't see her. Otherwise, how could he have led them? They'd have been running horses into each other and stumbling around all over everything. He had to have been picking them all up. But they were struck blind by God blinded them from what their mission was to go kill Elisha, right? And so he says, no, oh, no. And the guy says, oh, really? He's not here? These are supposed to be great warriors. And they're like, oh, he's not here. Let's follow this guy. He says he's over there. Okay, come on, boys. And everybody just went off. Nobody questioned him. Like, who are you to be leading us off? So it was almost like they were struck blind, but they were struck stupid too. Right? So when he came come to Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes that they saw, and they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? See, I believe a lot of people tonight are out like, you know, got the gun oil out. The sharpening on the wet rock their knives. It's like it's going to be tough, sweetie. Going to be a hard winter. Getting ready. But I don't know about you, but I like miracles. I like miracles, signs, and wonders. I like a whole bunch of people being struck dumb, and then all of a sudden, the next thing they know, they're all in church and they're lifting their hands and saying, Why are we here? Right? I mean, is that not the coolest thing in the world? Hey, guys, follow me. The guy you're trying to kill is over here. And the next thing they know, lift up your hands and he'll come. Okay. You say, oh, well, that was Old Testament times. How much more than New Testament times? Folks, we've got to have a revival of signs and wonders in amongst ourselves. Folks, we have got to have not just some hype, not just some, you know, dog and pony show. We have got to have. We've got to have that happen. I just had this mental image. I remember one time we took the kids to the circus. A long time ago. Kids are small. And about this point of the circus, I looked over there, and there was a bear riding a bicycle. Do you remember that? With a tutu on. And I couldn't get over it. I could never see anything else but looking at a bear riding a bicycle with a tutu on it. It was such an odd the oddest thing my mind could have ever seen. You know what I'm saying? I'm just looking. There's a bear riding a bicycle with a tutu on. And I could not look at any of the other circus but looking at this odd thing there, right? Well, how do you know God's just not going to do something like that? That it's just going to be the, 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 the thing that everybody just so intrigued with and all of a sudden they just can't keep their eye off the bear riding the bicycle. And they just start walking in the doors of the church. And also the next thing you know, it's just full up. And everybody's in there because there's a miracle taking place. Amen? So it goes on and it says, he said, let's kill them. And, you know, that's not the right thing Elisha said to him. No, he shall not kill them. Would you kill those who you've taken captive with your sword and your bow? Well, set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to the masters. In other words, people have got to be taught. I believe with all of my heart, people are going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're going to come to this church. 
They're going to come to this valley in this place, and they're going to be hungry for the word of God, and you folks are going to feed them. Because you can't imagine this great big vast army, they weren't fed by one person. They were fed by another army, army of believers. And you have bread. Look what he fed them. He set food and water before them. Substance. Jesus said, man's not going to live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You're going to be feeding them the word of God. You're going to be telling them the truth. You're going to, it's all a part of the evangelism God's doing on the inside of you. So they look, and it says, then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, they sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of the Syrian raiders no more came into the land of Israel. Hello? Made a feast for them. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make a feast for them. Now I want to go to another scripture. Go to the book of John, or the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> now after there was a feast of the Jews, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Now look at this, a great multitude. How many is a great multitude? It's a bunch, right? And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Can you imagine what this looked like? You know, like a ho- it looked like a hospital turned inside out. There's all these people, I mean, pretty serious condition. It didn't say they had runny noses and skin elbows. They were sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and they were waiting for the moving of the waters. Listen to me. There are a lot of people in the world right now deceived and gotten into deception and darkness, but what they really want to see is the moving of the waters. What they really want is joy and peace and happiness because everybody down on the inside of them wants joy and peace and happiness. But they've been looking at the wrong moving waters. And it's time for the church to be the moving waters that people want to come and jump into. Okay, the problem was here is under Jewish folklore every year. Well, let me read it to you. Uh, for an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred the water up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, that's, that, that's not something that that's Jewish folklore. Okay, in other words, that wasn't. I don't know if it was a move of God. I don't know what to say about it, but I just know that it was not like a biblical mandate. I'm going to do this. All right. There's no other place in the scriptures you can find that. But everybody had faith or they had faith that they could, somebody could get healed. But we don't know how many people ever got healed. Maybe one guy did 40 years ago. But people need hope. And so they came every day for hope just that they might get in there. And apparently this guy, I mean, let me read on. For an angel. Now, a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? And he said, the sick man said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool, but when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming up, another steps down before me. So this guy knew he was never going to get to the water, but yet he came every day. Why? For hope. People need hope. People need to know that there can be a better tomorrow. Hello? People say, well, how can there be a better tomorrow? What if the presidency goes this way? What if this happens? And what if that happens? How can there be a better tomorrow? Listen to me. With God, all things are possible. And I'm believing for a move of God. 
I'm not believing for everything just to work out and we work this out amongst us and we come up with some great idea. I am believing for a move of the Holy Ghost. I got saved in 1985 and it was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle, but there was a lot of people got saved in that time. Why? Because God was moving during that time. And it's time for God to move again. And I believe it's here. And I believe it's up to us. Because see, I want to tell you something. And don't get mad at me. Don't throw nothing at me. Just hear me. Because a lot of us, as we've gotten older, have just gotten complacent where we're at. And we've gotten complacent in our Christianity. And we've, got, been, in, we've been serving the Lord for so long. We think we've been serving the Lord for so long that we just have become complacent. And we're just kind of taking everything in stride and going along. And everything's not as fresh and as, you know, oh, we're waiting for another something. Woo! get up there, you know, have a little excitement. But the truth of the matter is we need to get our own hearts right. And we need to get our hearts into the place where we're just sitting there saying, Lord, open our eyes. We want to see you moving us. Let the fire of God fall on us. Lord, here we are. We're stirred up. I want to, I want, I want to, I want to see you move. And I want to see, see people getting saved and healed and touched and, and just hungry, people hungry for Jesus. Not something I made, not something like, I think we might get old so-and-so to come to church. You know, if we twist his arm, you know, he owes me a favor and maybe he'll come to church. No, I want to see a move of God. I want to see somebody beating on your door saying, I'm a mess. What can I do? And you say, hold on just a minute. I got an answer for you. Come on in the house. We're going to feed you. We're going to take care of you here for a minute. We're going to treat you like the Samaritan on the road. We're going to take care of you for a minute. Well, I'm going to call, I'm going to call uh, Dr. Brown. Uh, can we get a freedom prayer going up tonight? You know, you need to come on church. Pastor, go and preach on Sunday. We'll get over there. People will be up there. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. We'll get y'all going. We've got an answer for you. That's what I'm talking about. I do not want to start a new dog and pony show. I do not want to have to be the, the, the catalyst to build up some kind of, a, you know, got the new something that we're all going to do and we're all going to get happy in. No, no, no. It's got to be a move of God. It's got to be a move of God. It's got to be him moving in hearts and people coming through the doors and just sitting down saying, man, I need, I need help. And then y'all are going to jump on them. Hello? So then Jesus said to him, look at this. Told him three things to do, or actually, however you look at this, you could say four. He said, rise. Now, what's funny about that word rise, if you go look it up in the Greek, it actually means it, it could, it, it's the same thing as, yes, you got up from your seat, but it also has a meaning to it as like you woke up from sleep. All right? Folks, we, people need to wake up from sleep. That word needs to be going out. We need to have our eyes open and people need to rise. They need to wake up from the sleep and the stupor they've been in, Okay. How many times have you talked to somebody that keeps thinking that if they get drunk, they're going to get happy, but they just keep getting drunk, getting in trouble, and then they're going to go back, and they're going to go do it again, and they're going to do it again? So have you ever thought that those people need to rise, they need to wake up, and realize that the drink isn't making them happy, it's only going to be Jesus to make them happy, and then he'll deliver them from the alcohol and whatever, and whatever, and going to up. Hello? Need to rise up. And then he said, Take your bed. I'm just going to do this as three. Then he says, take your bed. All right, now think about it. What's his bed? It's this whole <clears throat> grungy mat that he's been laying on forever. What, did Jesus just not like trash? 
He was being health conscious, like get your dirty mat and get it out of here. <laughs> right? See, have you ever thought about when, when they told the disciples to unwrap Lazarus who has been dead? I mean, like, who wanted to volunteer for that job? A four-day-old dead man going to take all the grave clothes off of you, you know? Woo. Well, this is the same thing. He says, take your, take your bed. In other words, get rid of this thing that you've been laying on and been tied to for so long. Get rid of this thing that you have been bound to. And then he says, and walk. In other words, he gave him a vision. He said, look, rise up, get rid of what's been holding, and go out there into the vision that is out there for you. Walk. A new vision was sort of, man, man was paralyzed. He had, he's lame, he hadn't been walking. Right? He said, rise up, get rid of this thing that's been holding you bound, get a new vision in life, and people are going to start to see that. They're going to start to walk in that. I'm telling you right now, this is the move of God coming. Is that right there? People are going to rise up, take up their bed, and they're going to walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. Now, here we go. Now, the day was the Sabbath, and the Jews said to him, who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to be carrying your bed. I, there's some things that disturb me when I read the scriptures. This is things like this is one of them. The other one was I was reading in Acts the other day where Herod kills James with the sword and it says all the people rejoiced and were happy. And I'm like, these are religious people. They kill James. Yay! His head falls off. Blood everywhere. These kind of people, yay! I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? This guy, nobody, I mean, the guy is cured. He's been paralyzed, laying there, and now he's cured, and nobody, and everybody's like, well, put that bed down. You're carrying it on the Sabbath. Nobody's touched that the man's healed. So the bottom line is, this is the, the sad thing I want to tell you, is there's going to be some ignorant people around us. There's going to be some people that do not understand what's going on. There's going to be some people saying, what's taking place? There's going to be some people that are just that ignorant. And you know what we're going to do with them? I just leave them alone, go on. Okay? So they ask him, well, who's this man that said, take up your bed and walk? And one of the, and the man who was healed said, I, I do not know who it was, uh, for Jesus had withdrawn from the multitude at that place. And afterward, Jesus found him and said, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, at least the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him well. People are going to start to declare, Jesus is the one who made me well. It wasn't my attendance at Living Waters. It wasn't going to the water hole. It wasn't going to the Baptist, Methodist, whatever church. It, no, no, no. It's Jesus that made me whole. Amen? And folks, this is what I'm telling you. There's more with us than there is with them. This is where we have to keep our focus, and this is where we have to keep our prayer. It's up to us right now to get our hearts right. It's up to us right now to not, you know, just go to the gal on a rocky road and sit down and just say, oh, woe is me. No, now's the time to say, Lord, open my eyes and let me see. Lord, just show me what you want to do. I'm right, I'm right here. I'm your servant. I'm ready to go. Show me what to do, Lord. Oh, come on, show me what to do. That's where we need to be right now. Because I'm telling you, he wants to move. He wants to move. And for too long, Christians have been going along and saying, Lord, if it be your will. No, God wants to move. I'm telling you, God wants to move. God wants people saved. We need to set us a goal for the next four years to see how much we can impact the kingdom of hell, and populate the kingdom of heaven. 
We need to set a goal. You want a goal? Here's a goal. How many people can you get to heaven with you? And I'm telling you, you got to start with what's right around you. And I'm not scared, you know. It seems to me like <clears throat> it's the country versus the city. But you know what? That's country boys. We know how to fight. I'm not scared. We know what to do. We're going to get the job done. We'll always survive. Hello? Amen? So maybe you need to go home, call a few friends tonight. Tell them to go watch the message. Encourage them. Anybody who knows down the dumps, encourage them. Say, hey, 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 God's still in charge. Amen? Because we're going to win. Now, Sunday, we're going to get it kicked up again. We're going to have a good time. We're going to keep going. But listen, in the meantime, I'm just challenging you. Start praying that, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see. I want to be like that young man. I want to see in 2 Kings 6.16 that there's more with us than there is with him. And show me what's going on. And whoo, man, is it going to be good. Amen? So I want to pray for everybody out there right now. And I want to, and I want to, and everybody in here, I want to bless your offerings. I want to bless your lives. I want to pray for you. And so just grab hold of this right now. If you need an offering envelope in here, the, the, you can get you one of the buckets back there in the back. God bless you all for sending your tithes and your offerings. I know there's people hearing me tonight and you may be saying, this guy has lost his mind. But I'm out to tell you tonight, I have not lost my mind. I have the mind of Christ right now. Cause I'm telling you what, you know, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. But I am going out swinging. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to go out swinging, and you need to also. So get up from your humdrums and grab a hold of this word. Let Jesus open your eyes, and you're going to see amazing things happen. So, Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, I bless the people. I bless their tithes and their offerings. I speak over them. I just declare, Lord, right now. That you touch everybody at home. You touch everybody listening over to this broadcast right now. Let them know you're real, Lord. Let them know that you are so real in their lives. Bless their finances and let miracles and signs and wonders take place there. But Lord, let their eyes be open. Lord, let our eyes be open that we may behold, Lord, who is with us. Because there's more with us than there is with them. So Lord, we praise you for it. Lord, we thank you for it. And we just Oh, Lord, just wait for your move in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. See you Sunday.